been on a series in the youth group, and it's, uh, you know, you ever hear the term that when something bad happens, you hear it in uh, society a lot when someone stubs their toe or they lose money or something just bad happens, usually they say, now you, you have little kids in here still, it might want to cover yours, what the hell, right? <laughs> you, hear, you guys ever hear that, anybody, when something bad happens? Or maybe, even as Christians, we might slip them to be like, what the hell, right? We say it happens in society and unfortunately in the church. But we've been on a series, and we just finished it, actually called What the Heaven. And what it is, is taking, it's focusing what heaven is doing rather than what hell is doing in your life. Because often we tend to, when something bad happens to us, we, uh, we forget everything that God's doing. And we focus on only that one negative thing that happens. Uh, you guys can relate to children because I have dogs as my children. Those are my children. So when, for me and Josie, we can forget how awesome our dogs are. Like for me, lately, my dog, Allie, Pitbull Lab, she's been um, eating the cat litter poop. <laughs> Josie doesn't encourage it. I love it because that means I don't have to clean it up, right? But, <laughs> but, I can, but we can forget all those positive things for our, from our children, from my dogs, when we walk into the house and all of a sudden they tore up something. Right? It happens all the time. We forget, like, we forget how awesome service is because all of a sudden, bam, something bad happened. Right? We, po- we focus on the negative all the, time, all the time rather than the positive that happens into our lives. In, in Matthew 6, verse 9 through 10, it says, Pray like this Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy, may your kingdom come soon, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So today I want to focus on um, pulling down heaven, reaching through the natural into the supernatural and being able to pull down heaven in every circumstance in our lives and not focusing on what hell is doing, but in that circumstance that what hell is doing, we can reach out and pull down heaven. And I have a video for you guys. So... Under open skies, suspended in air, this is earth, this is despair, where the forbidden is almost never forsaken, this isn't fair, curse riddled, barren and wasted dirt that we share, we, humanity, earthly beings who cannot keep promises, it's obvious, we are oblivious to what hinders us, us, under sin a bunch of kids disrupting our cosmic classroom because we think the teacher stepped out for a bit the fire is lit as it consumes us peace becomes foreign storms are now normal waves don't carry us they break us we hate our neighbors we fall victim to vices that plague us damage is our wage wasted on our rage devouring ourselves sitting on the steps of a porch which says death on the door this curse is deeper than the dirt that swept under floors 
fading into darkness, still paralyzed by fear and pride. Now stop, not defined by space and time, unseen by telescopic lenses. This is heaven. This is hope where Jesus Christ reigns unhindered with his scope. He sees every suffering sinner and lends this rope that pierces through wormholes, slices stars, busts through atmospheres and targets terrestrial ground. Darkness flees. Hearts they plead. This rope is a vine stained with blood with gospel roots shooting upward to the skies. There's nothing that can hide. Our destructive situation surrenders. Natural becomes tackled by the supernatural. Who can lasso all of our troubles and ring them in? So cling to him. You will love his presence. When you get a touch that settles within a sudden second, you will become a blessed vessel saying, what the heaven? So today I want to focus on two points. And the first point is what to expect when heaven invades earth. And one of the things you can expect when, when all of a sudden, you know, you're praying and you're in, you're in your bad circumstance, things are going wrong, and you want to reach out and pull heaven down. One of the things, which is so cool how worship just blended so well with the message today, is healing, freedom, and happiness when you pull down heaven. Yeah. Revelation 21, verse 4, it says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. And all these things are gone forever. Every time Jesus reached to pull down heaven, think about it, every miracle that Jesus did, he reached out, pulled down heaven, and then as soon as heaven hit, something different. There was change. Um, there was deliverance. There was healing. Where there was sorrow, there was joy. Where there was oppression, he all of a sudden there was, it just keeps going on, right? Every time Jesus reached out and pulled down heaven in any circumstance that he was in, changed happen. It didn't stay the same. And that's where I believe as Christians we need to get to. We need to get to a point to where we can pull down heaven and every circumstance in our life that when people are watching us, change happens because we know how to pull down heaven. We're different than the rest. Another thing that you can expect when heaven invades earth is purpose. You get purpose. You get identity. And Jeremiah, I have a lot of scripture for you guys today, so I hope you guys don't mind. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and hope. So how does this relate to pulling down heaven? Because where does God reside? He resides in heaven. In James chapter, uh, let's see here, 4, verse 8, it says, Come close to God and he'll come close to you. So once you start drawing near to God and God starts drawing near to you, what's happening is heaven is coming down into your circumstances where you have happiness, where you have deliverance, where you have purpose, where you have uh, identity. So what would happen then? What does it look like when heaven all of a sudden touches earth? And uh, in Acts 16, 16 through 23, so cool because the Bible is full of stories Almost every miracle happens, and I think we, we don't realize it, but what Jesus does is he pulls down heaven onto earth, and all of a sudden change happens. Whenever Paul, Peter, or whatever happens, when they have something bad happens, and then they command you know, demons to go, they command healing, all of a sudden they're, what they're doing is they're pulling down heaven. 
And here's a story in Acts chapter 16 of Paul and Silas pulling down heaven. One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her master by telling fortune. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so tired that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left and dragged them. It left her. Her master's hope of wealth were now shattered, so they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They were... They are teaching customs that are illegal for Roman practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with a wooden rod. They were severely beat, and then they were thrown into prison. The, jailers, the jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. It's kind of interesting because Paul and Silas walk in. It'd be like... I want to put this in perspective. It would be like Pastor Brenda up here or Pastor Neil up here, right? They're preaching a sermon, right? And, we're all, you know, you, you guys are all listening. It would be like I'm right next to Tammy, and Pastor Neil is just preaching on fire. Pastor Brenda's preaching fire, and I'm over here, oh, Tammy, he, he's preaching, she's preaching fire right now. Isn't this awesome how awesome this is? Then all of a sudden, Pastor Brenda, I'm going to use you since you're here, looks at me and says, demon, get out of here, right? It, I mean, here I was encouraging it's saying uplifting words about Pastor Brenda, but here I am distracting. What's cool is Paul and Silas, they were in prayer, they were in communication with God, and they, they were able to discern demonic from the Holy, from the Holy Spirit. And so they called it out of her, and they said, you know, be gone. And then all of a sudden, bam, heaven hits, right? She's delivered. And what's crazy to, to me is that what this, I'm going to read the two verses, the last two verses one more time. And I believe this is a picture of our society right now. But it says, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Her master's hope of wealth was now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. And they ended up beating them, right? I mean, all of a sudden, if heaven was to hit earth and all of a sudden change was to happen, deliverance and freedom was to happen, you would think there'd be a revival, right? You'd think something, it'd be amazing. But instead, these people, the Romans, looked at them and beat them for pulling down heaven. And I feel like that's how society is today right now. We as Christians, we're being attacked for things because it says in there, they tried teaching the Romans righteousness. And they, that's what they were attacked for. They were trying to teach the Romans how to pull down heaven and how to live a righteous life. And they were attacked for that. And I believe that's how society is right now, is that when we're, when we're trying to teach righteousness and when we're trying to pull down heaven, instead of a revival breaking out, we're being attacked and persecuted for it. Um, it's so cool, too, Amy, that you played that video this morning. And if you guys were here for the worship meeting, she played a video of Kim Walker uh, talking on worship, and how cool it would be if, if we walked in here in church and we didn't need the worship, the first couple worship songs to get reconnected with God. 
right? Sometimes we, throughout our week, we go through stuff, and we sometimes lose our connection with God. And Kim Walker was talking about if only if we can fight for that connection with God and keep that connection with God, what would happen if when we showed up at church and we didn't need that worship song to get that first breakthrough, that breakthrough would just happen. And I believe that's what happened here with Paul and Silas, that they were in communication with God. They had their connection. And so that means when they seen the demonic, they were able to call out and pull down heaven. See, they were on their way to prayer, I said. So they were on their way, if you would, to church. And they didn't have to wait or be like, okay, I'm going to come back do a worship song, and then, then I'm going to deliver you. No, they were able to deliver her because they had their connection with God. They were able to pull down heaven right then and there. Um, the second thing I want to talk about, how to pull down heaven. And there's three, and this is my, I guess if you will, the three points I want you guys to really take away from today's service is how to pull down heaven. Because I, I, I believe we have an idea. Like, we know what happens when heaven comes down, right? Change happens. People are delivered. We see it time and time over in the Bible. But I believe we don't know how exactly to pull down heaven. And the first point I want to give to you guys is worship. If you want to pull down heaven, you got to be able to worship in your storms. When in that circumstance, when, when the storm is breaking out, you've got to be able to look to God and worship him and praise him. And there's an awesome illustration of this in the Bible in Job chapter 1, 12 through 19. I'll give you guys a moment to get there, and I'm reading out the NLT. So Job chapter 1, 12 through 19. It says... All right, you may test him. Now, real fast, I'll give you some background. Um, Satan goes before God, and God pretty much, you know, talks up Job. He's like, Job is, you know, he's my man. He's, he's worshiping me. He loves me. He's a man of righteousness. And Satan's like, no, the only reason why he's worshiping you and he's, you know, super good is because you've blessed him so much. And so, so then this is what happens. This is God talking. All right, test him. He's talking to Satan. The Lord said to Satan, do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. One day when Job's son and daughters were fe uh, feasting at the oldest brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's home with the news, your oxen were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them. When the Sabaeans raided us, they stole all the animals and killed all the farmhands. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God ha has fallen from heaven and burned up all your sheep and all your shepherds. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, a third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaladines raiders has stolen your camels and killed your servants. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you, while he was still speaking, their oldest brother's home, suddenly a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness and hit the house, and all sides, the house collapsed, and all your children are dead. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. So, I mean, Job was in a, I mean, a pretty bad circumstance, I think, right? His children's all dead. Everything his, he worked hard for was dead. His house was gone. Uh, Think about it like in the morning, 
like, does anybody have a hard time sometimes getting here? We were talking about this just, I think, yesterday. Have a hard time getting here sometimes to church, right? It feels like, it's like, oh, the day before, I'm going to go to bed early. I'm going I'm to sell my clothes, and I'll be able to wake up, get in the shower, and everything's going to go perfect, and I'm going to be able to get in church, and it'll be just peaceful. But it never happens, right? You wake up the next morning, and all, all hell breaks out, right? Everything that you thought that you planned to prevent all of a sudden happens, right? And... A lot of times, I, and for me too, me and Josie will sometimes get in an argument, or we get in arguments, right, and we put our focus on what hell is doing at that moment, whether we want to admit it or not, but we start trying to, um, I don't know, we try to solve, we try to fix it in our own will, we try, we, we try to change what's happening in that circumstance by ourselves sometimes, and it's cool what Job did. In verse 20, if we keep reading, and was, I'll read it. Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground. What's cool, so Job, you know, you're thinking, okay, Job stood up, tore his clothes, shaved his face. He's about to start complaining to God, right? But this is what he does. In the midst of his storm, so Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. So in the midst of Job's storm, he chooses to worship because he knew his source was where his source came from, where his hope, his joy, where his fulfillment. He knew where his resource came from, and that was from God. Um, he didn't go to his social media. He didn't go on Facebook. He didn't go to Twitter. He didn't go to a family member and say, oh, man, today was so hectic, PJ, trying to get to church. It was, I mean, I, I couldn't, first thing, Josie was supposed to wash all the clothes, and she left everything in the washer, and now it's not dried. My tie is not, uh, it's all wrinkly, right? And we, sometimes we go to our friends and family or we get to church and we start complaining about the things that are trying to get us here and we forget that all we need to do is worship. So Job, Job worshiped in his circumstance. In verse 22 it says, In all this Job did not sin by blaming God. Why did Job not sin by blaming God? Because his focus was on God. His focus wasn't on hell and what hell was doing. His focus on what was heaven was doing, where God was at in his life. And in verse uh, 21, it says, He said, I uh, came naked from my mother. This is Job talking. I came naked from my mother's room, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. And instead of, you know, yelling, shouting, and cursing God, for why, why God, why, do, why did you take my family from me? Why, God, I worked so hard. You've blessed me with all this. Why did you take it all from me? Instead, he praised him. He put his focus on what God did in his life and what God's about to do in his life rather than the past. I believe Job understood this principle, and it's found in Matthew chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Judah... Now, this is, at first glance, this verse is kind of boring. I won't lie. This is one of those verses that you skip over because it's like genealogy kind of stuff. But it's cool when you study this out. It says, Judah was the father of Pizar and, and Zar, whose mother was Tamar. Pizar was the father of Hizan, and Hizan was the father of Ram. Right? You, you all of a sudden started yawning and kind of drifted away there for a second. But check this out. Judah, Judah means praise, and Pizar means breakthrough. So Judah was the father of Pizar, so... Praise is the father of breakthrough. And I believe Job understood that. I believe that he praised God because he knew he needed a breakthrough in his life. 
and breakthrough happened in his life once he decided to praise God. Breakthrough means a sudden, dramatic, and important discovery of development, advance, success, improvement. So if you have a situation in your life where you need a dramatic, instant breakthrough in your life, start with praise. Start with worship. What's cool, and if you jump ahead in the story of Job, because he chose to worship God first and because he chose to praise God first, it says in Job 42, 12 through 17, it says that later in his second half of his life, he had more than what he had in the first half of his life because he pushed through for breakthrough through praise and worship. Um, in Acts 16, 24 through 26, you see another cool story of uh, someone praising and worshiping when they're going through stuff. In Acts 16, 23 through 26, it says, So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in their stocks around midnight. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundation. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chairs of heaven or the, sorry, the chains of everyone, even the prisoners, fell off. What's cool is because Paul and Silas chose to press on, press through that breakthrough, and people that were watching them, they got breakthrough too because of Paul and Silas choosing to praise and sing hymns to God. What's cool is people are looking at us as Christians. They're looking to us because once you say, I, I'm a Christian, people are automatically going to start judging you in everything you do. And... Uh, when you choose to worship in your storm, press in through breakthrough, people notice that, and that's how change are going to break in their life because they're going to come to you and be like, you know what, I've seen what you were going through, and I, I want that same, I need that same person. I need that same hope that you had in, during that storm. The second point, if you want to pull heaven down, so the first one was worship, and the second one is prayer. Uh, prayer, I mean, I feel like we have a pretty good grasp of what prayer is, but I feel like we stop short of what prayer really is because we, I believe we all know it's a communication with God, right? It's not just us talking, but it's God talking back with us, a communication both ways. In the Old Testament, there is, uh, they base the definition of uh, prayer off of two words, which means to plead or beg for God for something. In the New Testament, they base it off of two to three words to define prayer, and, but there's one difference between the Old Testament version of what prayer is to the, new defin, or to the new definition of what prayer is. And if you look it up, it was worship. They added worship into the definition in the New Testament when they said to go pray. And what pr- uh, worship is to give honor and pr- or praise also applies, means affection. What's cool about the Hebrew and Greek is when you study out, there's pictures for the words too. And one of the pictures for worship is who has a dog in, right? We all probably have that dog that's a little too excited. You go to Pastor Brennan's house, you know she has a dog. If you come to my house, you think your dog's bad. Bella is terrible. She will kiss you in your face, and she's only like this tall. So she's, she knocked over a couple of my sisters before. So excited, right? We all have that dog. As soon as you open that door, that dog comes running in to greet you, right? Because they miss you. They love you. And what do they do? They jump up and down. They start licking you, right? They go crazy, and that's the picture that in the New Testament for the word worship, for a prayer. And I believe the best way to define what prayer is, is it's a passionate communication with God. It's not just talking to God and waiting for God to talk to you, but it's passionately talking to God. I believe sometimes when we're, in, we're praying, sometimes we'll be like, Lord, I need this, I need that. 
and you and you know you got to wait, and you want you say, Lord, I don't want to move anywhere until you and we until you speak to me, right? We and then we wait, and we do it out of repetition sometimes. Too formal, yeah. And uh, you ever get passion? We all have a passion for something, right? For me, I love playing basketball. I love playing up here on the worship team. I love church, and I get passionate, especially at work. When I'm working, if all of a sudden I love getting on to the religion topic, and I just love it because I love to be able to, you know, give my point of view from the Bible and stuff and hear what other people say. And I get really passionate when talking about it. So we all get passionate about something in our lives. Think about that one thing that you're very passionate about, that, one, you, that when you start talking about it, you almost you get excited, emotions start building in you, right? That one thing. Uh, it might be bikes for some people. It might be hunting for others. It might be tools for, for others. Whatever it is, whatever that thing that you get passionate about, you get excited to talk about. And that's that same kind of energy God wants you to have when you're talking to him. He wants you to have a passionate communication with him. He, does, he doesn't just want to communicate with you. He wants to passionately communicate, communicate with you. Um, and, of course, the second part is, you know, in prayer is waiting. Sometimes you, who actually gets on Facebook or social media or YouTube? Does everyone at least get on Internet somewhat? Or a radio station, right? <laughs> you, 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 you know, you're going through Facebook, and they have these videos that you can hit play on. And uh, you hit play. And I'll wait five seconds. That's it. If it's not loaded up in five seconds, I'm done. I can't. It's, I mean, that's it. And that's how the society kind of is today. It's like popcorn. You guys ever heard the term popcorn society or microwave society? It's so that we want things now. We want answers now. And that's not how God works. God, I mean, occasionally he might give you an answer now fast. But for the most part, God wants you to wait for him. He wants you to just sit and soak in his presence The third thing uh, in pulling down heaven is faith in action. In James chapter 2, 14 through 20, it says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you have faith but don't show it by your action? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister with no food or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothes. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Now someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I, ha- I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I'll show you my faith by good deeds. You say you have faith for you believe th- that there is one God, good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Um, Faith alone isn't enough. Faith alone is enough. Hebrews 11.1, I just want real fast, this is what faith is. Faith is the confidence that what you hope for will actually happen. It gives you the assurance about things we cannot see. Um, if you go, if, has anybody been really hungry? I've been really hungry multiple times. Or for some, Tammy, have you ever just, you've been to past parents, you had your one or two coffees, and all of a sudden you're just craving that third one, right? 
we all have those cravings, right? And then we go to the store, or you go to Starbucks or whatnot, or you call Pastor Brennan up and you say, hey, I need to get another latte from you. And you go, you know, you go, so for me, when I'm hungry, the first aisle I usually go is to the pizza aisle. <laughs> and so there it is. I know that that box of pizza, DiZorno's, is going to fulfill my desire of that, what I feel like I'm starving, right? We buy that box of pizza, we go home, or you buy uh, the stuff to make coffee, because you're trying to make it like Pastor Brenda's, which, you know, me and Josie are talking, Pastor Brenda. It's all right. I know. I just, I know. Don't, I just had to put that out there for you guys. It was good. It was good. Yeah, no. It was it was good. But <laughs> Yeah. I knew that was coming too when I said that. But I'm willing to I'm willing to make that stand for you guys. I'm willing to draw that line and be like, "You know what? This is good, but there's better." Oh, sorry, Professor. I'm just trying to push you to that next level. But, so we buy that food, you bring it home, and you set it on the counter, right? And then you hope for it to cook itself. <laughs> You're hungry, you believe, and you know that pizza is going to fill your hunger, it's going to make you not starving anymore, but, and you're just, you know, you're saying, come on, cook, and it just doesn't cook, right? What, what needs to happen? You need to take it out of the box, unwrap it, and put it in the oven, right? In order for faith to work, it takes action. Faith by itself does not work. Martin Luther King, he had a dream, right? What happens if he never acted on his dream? The dream would never have happened. Um, I know now, some of you might be thinking, well, so-and-so, um, Joseph, isn't a Christian because he doesn't act like a Christian, even though he says he's a Christian. Right? That's, some of you might have thought that real fast. Now, I told this to the youth. So right now, the youth might be a little bit smarter than most of you guys. Just saying. So I'm going to catch you guys up. That once you get saved, you're saved by grace. Right? You can't work for it. God saves you. It's by grace. But after you're saved, in order to work on that relationship, for a relationship to work, what does it take? Work, right? If a marriage is to work, it takes... or yeah, to work, it takes work. You can't just expect a marriage or a relationship to work out, right? It takes work. Same with our relationship with God. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. But if you're not drawing near to God, you're just drifting away. It's like if you're in the ocean and there's God over there in the boat and you're swimming towards God, but all of a sudden you're like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to work anymore. I know you're God, but I'm not going to work towards it anymore. And now what does the current do? It drifts you away, right? God's right there wanting you to keep pressing in towards him. He's wanting to pull you out of the water like he, Jesus did to Peter when he fell in. But it takes, you got to work for it. Um, but also, now the other side of the coin though, work isn't enough. Faith isn't enough by itself and work isn't enough by itself. You ever, I get a lot of ideas. Like I had an idea to write a song. I've read a couple songs actually, played it in the band, but didn't get anywhere. I had an idea to write a book. I've had, me and uh, Dylan's not here today, but we uh, made guitars a long time ago. We had this idea, oh man, it would be so cool to make our own guitars. So Dylan had all the tools, or I should say Kirk's tools at the time when we were little kids. 
we, we, cut, we cut out the, you know, we don't have these awesome pieces of wood. We cut out shapes of guitars and just, you know, it was awesome, right? And, you know, we get it all made and then all of a sudden got to a point to where it's like, ah, oh, this is not really going to happen. And so we gave up on the idea, right? How many of you, does anybody ever have an awesome idea but you've given up on the idea? Because it does, because working for that isn't enough. You got to be able to believe in what you're working for. Um, Hebrew, I'm going to read Hebrews 11:1 again. It says, "Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen, and gives us the assurance about things we cannot see." I believe this is why. And Amy, if you want to come up and start playing piano, this is why I believe as Christians we get so discouraged, is because we come to God acting like we're Christians or saying we're Christians, but we don't really believe. Or we, we really believe in what the Bible says, but we don't act on it, and we start blaming God. We start blaming God that, why, Lord, aren't you doing your part? The thing is, God is always going to do his part. It's, are you going to do your part? Are you going to be able to actually believe in what you're saying, and are you going to actually act on what you're believing? And I believe as Christians, we get discouraged in that when we don't act on it. So in order for us to pull down heaven, I believe we got, it takes worshiping through our storms, I believe it takes prayer, passionately communicating with God. And I also believe it takes faith in action. I love um, Romans 1.16. I love it so much I actually got it tattooed on me. 1.16. Because it says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power to save, right? We got to, as Christians, learn not to be ashamed of God. And that's, once we decide to take that step, it's, uh, I've been mentoring under Pastor Brenda, and one of the things she said was, people don't remember what you don't stand for. They remember what you stand for. So if you want to pull down heaven, if you want your circumstances in your life to stop being so negative towards the positive, focus on what heaven is doing. Make that stand and be like, you know what? I'm going to worship God no matter what's going on. I'm going to, I'm going to start passionately communicating with him. I'm not just going to say, Lord, I need help, and that's it. I'm going, to, I'm going to sit and wait until God gives me an answer. It's so cool. Uh, we're on a new series in the youth group called Be Different. And the thing that sets us apart as Christians, it says, and this is Moses on the mountain of Sinai, and he's talking with God. And he said, Moses tells God, you know what? The thing that sets us apart from everyone else is your presence. Your presence sets us apart. Your presence is what makes us different in this world. So are we willing to say, Lord, I need your help. I'm going to worship and praise you no matter what in this circumstance. And I'm going to make a stand for you right now, Father, and make a difference in the circumstance that's happening in my life, in someone else's life, in whatever, in, in the schools, in my workplace. Sometimes heaven will invade our lives. It'll just happen. But most of the time, we need to fight to pull down heaven. We determine whether heaven is going to invade us or not. We determine it. So I want the phrase, what the heaven, to be a reminder that it doesn't matter what hell is doing in your life. It doesn't matter how bad it gets. I'm going to put my focus on heaven. I'm going to reach through the natural into the supernatural and pull down heaven right there in that circumstance. I'm going to be, they're going to call me different because the presence of God is with me and I'm able to pull down heaven in every circumstance in my life. I'm, if I can everybody have their eyes closed and heads bowed real fast. Now, 
Maybe you've never accepted Jesus into your life. I'm talking to those who have never done it. I don't care if you maybe said it once in your backside right now. If you've never done it, if you've never accepted Jesus into your life as your Lord and Savior to take away all your depression, all your junk, all your anxiety, all your sicknesses, everything, if you want that all taken away, Jesus wants to take away from you. All you got to do is confess to him, say, Lord, I need you. So raise your hand right now if you want to accept the Lord as your Lord and Savior for the very first time. Now, maybe you, you're like Peter, you're walking on water, and all of a sudden you fell in. You, you looked away from Jesus for a little bit. You started doing your own thing. Jesus is right there wanting to pull you out of that water. And if you want to get back on living on top of your circumstances and rededicate your life to Jesus, raise your hand right now. You guys can put those hands down. Now, I like to talk to the third group of people, the Christians, us. If you want more, just more of God, if you want to be different, saying, Lord, I know I'm tired of going to work. I'm tired uh, coming home. I'm tired of going to church and feeling like your presence isn't there. If you want more of God, raise your hand. This says in Romans 10, verse 9 through 10, it says, For if you confess your mouth that Jesus is Lord, he will save you. It, you know, it goes on, but that's summing it up. He will save you. He's talking, you know, he isn't just talking to the unbelievers. He's talking to the believers, too. That word sozo, right there, the word save, is to heal you completely. And you're in sickness, so maybe you're, you want to say this prayer and you just want healing. Then say this prayer. Say, Lord, you are my Lord. If you, if, you, if you just want deliverance or if you want the rededication, say this prayer. So just repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you now because I need a Savior. I can't do it on my own. I need your help. I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross, to go to the grave and to come out of the grave so that I can have freedom, so that I can have more of you. In Jesus' my name. Um, I want to close like this, too. If you, you know, said that prayer the first time, or if you, if you raised your hand at all, I'm going to challenge you to come forward right now and say, Lord, I'm not willing to leave church today until you give me a word for this week until I get something from you, too. I know that when I walk out of these doors, you're with me, Father, that, so that I can pull down heaven everywhere I go and everything I do. So if you just, if you want a word from God today, I challenge you right now, stand up and come out of your seats and come forward. Or you can stay where you're at and not hear a word from God. That's, that's your choice. So it's up to you guys. If you guys want to come forward now, get your word from God.